this year, San Francisco made history by appointing the city's first drag laureate, Darcy Drollinger, who not only is a fierce drag queen, but also a theatrical dynamo. Darcy has created, written, and performed dozens of brilliant shows over the years, including the Lohan Project, Temple of Poon, the feature film Shit and Champagne, and is co-starring in the Bay Area's long-running holiday show, Golden Girls Live. The first of its kind in the world, San Francisco's Drag Laureate is not just a figurehead for the LGBTQ community, they are given resources to produce work that ensures that the legendary city continues to be a supportive place for queer art to grow and flourish. Today, Darcy Drollinger joins us to look at her incredible year so far as San Francisco's first Drag Laureate. Creating Oasis, the city's first drag-owned and operated bar and venue, and the shocking death of Heckling. Plus, Darcy's recipe for overcoming hate targeted to trans people and drag performers. I'm Fausto Fernos. I'm Mark Fillion. And this is Feast of Fun. Well, hi. Oh, hi. Darcy Drollinger, Darcy Drollinger, <laughs> paging Darcy Drollinger to the front desk. Oh, my God. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> hey, love, uh, are you speaking to us on um, on uh, speakerphone or something? Well, I was going to put on my headset. You yeah, want to do it? <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, thumb up your voice. <laughs> Hello. 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 Squeeze those balls a little bit. It's the first drag laureate from San Francisco, Darcy Drollinger. Hello, boys. Oh, How's that? How's that? Very nice. <laughs> what are you wearing? I know. Um, just a negligee and a pair of panties. Hey, oh. congratulations on uh, getting this really huge honorary job title, right? It's, a, it's not a, just a title, it's a job as San Francisco's first drag laureate. Thank you. And yeah, it's become a much bigger deal than I thought it was going to be when I applied. Oh, so who did you beat off to get this job? Like, well, who she's, did you oh! beat? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too true. Um, they, you know what? They yeah. won't tell me. They won't. I mean, I've, I've, I'm, I can assume who, but they, they've been a little cagey in terms of who applied. Mm. Oh really? They were no. like, uh, but didn't other queens go up? They're like, I applied for that job too. <laughs> I mean, I've had some people say, "Glad it wasn't me," you know. <laughs> Why did oh, they not it, want it? Is it too much pressure or something? Or well, what? it's you know, it's one of those things where I think that it was going to be you know a, a little bit of a figurehead, so to speak, or just a, a, a nice thing for the community. And all of them, all this anti-drag and trans hate started mm. happening right at the same time and right at Pride. And suddenly, you know, everyone from around the world wants to talk to me. And, you know, they don't necessarily want to talk to me about all the great things I'm doing. They want to talk to me about, like, why people hate drag. Why and, do people uh, hate drag? <laughs> for the uninitiated, for the people that still are in love with drag. <laughs> you know what? It's so it is so crazy. And what I, you know, at first I tried to rationalize it, right? Because I wasn't really thinking about what it is. Honestly, it is the same reason these same people hated drag before. They're homophobic people that now are emboldened to have a voice when 
you know, eight years ago, they weren't, or even mm-hmm. six years ago, they weren't. So, um, you know, it is, it is still those same people and they're not a majority. Like we have to realize that these are a small group of people. The problem is what they do is incite violence on drag performers and trans people mm-hmm. by people that are gullible and maybe a little mentally unstable. So mm. I want to have a defamation suit, a law class action lawsuit against really? the next person. Well, I mean, yeah, the next person that says drag queens are pedophiles. Like I want that. I want to, I want to see, give me some evidence because Perfect. right now all I know it's youth ministers and boy scout leaders are, are screwing a lot more children than drag queens. Well, you can't sue Lady Bunny because she doesn't have anything to take. <laughs> Too true. But, Too but, true. Uh, are you saying that people have always hated drag queens and now they're just becoming more vocal? Or is, well, has I, something I, changed? I, I mean, I think for the... I mean, in the old days, drag was a thing that middle America went to go see. I mean, they had Flip Wilson and yeah. Milton Merle on TV. You know, you'd come to San Francisco and... There was as many drag performers as strippers in North Beach. You know, it was just a thing that was accepted. And I think that, you know, all of this fear mongering that that took place at the Republican Party, you know, ignited a spark in a, you know, group of people that are racist and homophobic. Those people were there before. They're just now feeling comfortable to, you know, get on primetime and talk about it because now it's acceptable to hate us. Well, also, too, I think a big portion of this, too, is, you know, before we've always viewed drag as, you know, it's men dressing up as women for comedy or whatever, female impersonation. But I think now we're seeing, like, you know, the the people that do drag aren't necessarily identifying as men. There's a lot of trans people, non-binary people. And in many ways, this is just a way to attack, not, you know, entertainment. Uh, It is a way to attack trans people. I absolutely, I absolutely agree. And it's crazy. My friend is a cis white, a cis uh, woman, right? And she reads Drag Story Hour. She and she has people, you know, screaming in her face. And what is she? She's wearing a bunch of makeup, fake eyelashes, a sparkly dress, and a hairpiece. That sounds like the Kardashians or anyone from the Housewife franchise to me. But because they think it's not a woman. They or they think that she's either trans or a drag queen. They're attacking her. I have another theory, too, because like, you know, drag queens in in this sense have almost like replaced clowns and clowning has always (laughs) been very popular with conservative Christians. There's a lot of conservative Christians who go into clowning. And now if you go to those clown expos or conferences, it's all like clowns for Jesus and, you know, uh, Mormon clown college and shit like that. And so I wonder if they're just like mad because drag queens have just been like, uh, nobody cares about clowns anymore. We want, you know, <laughs> true. <laughs> Except if you put a red nose on me, I have as much makeup on as a clown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I we are clowns. Well, yeah, I they mean, are. It's, and, it's from that, t- that clown why, tradition, right? Yeah. We're, we're the, we're the court jesters in the community. And that is the kids love it. The kids love sparkle, fabulous, they love it. And if those parents want to bring their kids there, you know, that is on the parents. The kids aren't running away from home to go to drag story mm-hmm. hour. The parents are taking them. And if you want to then go after parents who take their kids to drag story hour, then let's go after parents who spank their children. You know what I mean? If you start really judging parenting skills, then there's a whole Pandora's box that we can open. 
Well, I mean, you were, you know, the, there are some people who feel that drag queens don't belong, you know, around children and not necessarily because of the negative impact that they may have on children is that, you know, keep your, your brats out of my gay bars. You know, it's like, I want to have fun. And I, if a drag queen wants to do a sexual innuendo or a joke, shouldn't feel like she has to hold back if there's like 12 year olds in the audience. But how many, how many these, okay. yeah, that's, that's not you know happening what? in bars row, right? But, it, but it's not, but here's the thing. I hate performing for kids. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. They're, listen, they're terrible tippers. <laughs> <laughs> Their money's bottom all grubby. Line, bottom line, exactly. But I, yeah, I got no interest. I do what my brand of drag <laughs> is body, you know, bad dad jokes and dirty innuendos. Like, that's what I do. I don't want children in my audience. I, I think there are plenty of drag performers that want to go do drag story hour, and they should get to. But, like, I'm not interested in it. So, you know, that's a fight for the community, not a personal fight for me to to read, read to children. You know, I'd have to learn to read first. And then second, um, <laughs> I'd have to be in a room full of yeah, sticky fingers and no money. Maybe I get a quarter. Well, if you have like a little dog that takes dollar bills, the kids will be like, mommy, mommy, give me a dollar for the little dog. You true, know? true. That's but it's very like if it's, it's a sweaty kid and a sweaty drag queen, both hands are sticky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you That's have to funny. do? What do you have to do to, uh, to be a drag laureate? Like, what's the job responsibility? Well, what is the drag well, laureate? Okay. Well, right. So exactly. So I, I am a very, I'm very busy. I, I own and operate the Oasis. I just started a, a queer nonprofit called Oasis Arts, which we can talk about later. Yep. So I was all full of stuff. My, my, and I was going to apply for this in a number of my employees were like, please don't, please, please don't do this. Cause there's, you know, you're too busy already. And it's going to drive us all crazy. And I did it and I got it. And it, you know, I thought it was, again, going to be, oh, a couple ribbon-cutting ceremonies and get to go to the opening of the opera or whatever, you know. Um, You know, a poet laureate just reads some poems and goes on some a couple of speaking engagements. And this ended up being like the gay mayor of San Francisco. (laughs) And I'm serious. Like, all of a sudden, it was just, I had sometimes four to six engagements a day and i just i was in drag so much i just got my nails put on permanently i was i was in drag much more than i was out of drag did you shave your eyebrows i you know what i i i I shaved half of them i did the katya thing where i shaved i shaved half of them but like well that i i did that for filming the movie because then i went right into filming a feature film and i just had to be up at like 3 30 in the morning every day into makeup and i was just like i can't be gluing my eyebrows down and they're not going to hold for 14 hours in the day so so yes i shaved half my eyebrows and uh, waxed my chest and got um, acrylics that was my my life changed for so you're sure living as a woman now <laughs> yeah pretty much well i actually now i I just got my acrylics off three days ago, and I'm I'm getting a, a short break. All right. So, so I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the, hiatus. The drag laureate is uh, analogous to a poet laureate, but this is like money for you to be able to produce shows, to work as an artist. Because right now, like I was looking at the average rent in for one bedroom apartment in San Francisco, and it was thirty five hundred dollars. 
And I'm just like wondering, like, if we really want to like cultivate drag in cities like San Francisco, we sort of have to make it affordable to be a drag queen in the first place. Well, that's just it. I mean, yeah. I, I am one of, I mean, I have multiple jobs. They are all, all you know, encompass drag, but I yeah. do a lot of other stuff that's not necessarily drag. It's it's expensive. I mean, the the money that they, I mean, it's an eighteen month position. I got fifty five thousand dollars, and that's supposed to cover you know dresses, wigs, transport for all of these things mm-hmm. that I, you know, I'll probably get paid for some things, but for the majority of them. You know, they're honors. Like, I got to go throw the first pitch at the Giants game, which was fucking awesome. And that was not the Dodgers. Um, they didn't kick you out of that game. They did, they did not. They was did there anybody not protesting you being there? No. See, that was it. I was prepped for that. And every person, that was the closest I ever felt like a rock star. When I was done trying to leave, I got surrounded with people trying to get my picture and my autograph. and. At first, it was fun, but then the crowd got bigger and bigger, and people were pushing each other out of the way to get to me. And like, I, I, it was it was amazing for about a half an hour. Once it got to about an hour, and it was getting larger and larger, I just, I had to I had to run away. It was um, it was crazy. Wow. So, how did your pitching go? Did did they did they catch it or what? How does that work? It was it, 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 was, it, was, okay. <laughs> it was not nearly as bad as Mariah Carey or Fifty Cent. Did you practice? I did. So I had my facilities guy, Will, who um, worked for me at the club. Um, you know, my straight employee came and he he taught. We started slow, getting farther and farther apart. And we spent two afternoons. And um, I got to say, my pitch was pretty good. I was I was I was like, they're not going to call me out for being the drag mm. queen with the limp wrist. So you're a good pitcher, but are you a good catcher? Oh, <laughs> ask the Giants team. Um, no. Um, <laughs> then she went to the locker room and said, All exactly. right, fellas. <laughs> now the games begin. It's like, um, it's like a basically best little whorehouse in Texas, but uh, only one yeah. madame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, it's been crazy. I mean, like, I, I mean, even Gail King wanted me to come on the show. Like everyone, BBC Global. That was the biggest thing was BBC Global. I think that was the most international. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've done a number of things in the UK. Um, that was to me very exciting because I got to sort of shine a light for those poor people that are like Uganda who are going to get killed for being gay. But mm-hmm. also, it had the grossest comments. You know what I mean? Like oh, the, on the BBC website, the, the, the vile comments. Yeah. On um, just because, you know, there's there's a lot of people that for whatever horrific religious reasons, you know, mm-hmm. want, think, think that not only am I going to hell, but they're like they have to kill me to cleanse themselves. Well, I mean, I know, feel so, so sorry for that poor woman who was killed in California because she had a, 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 oh my a God. Congress pride flag in her in her well, window. But, this is exactly Brian what I'm talking about. You know. Yes, this is exactly what I'm talking about, though. For like the people that stir up the, this idea that that queer people are pedophiles, they are cre- they are inciting that kind of violence, and then those people are not going to take any responsibility. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to take any responsibility for that. Lauren Bebout is not going to take any responsibility for that. 
But who are the pedophiles? Oh, it's the Catholic priests. It's the Republicans. Exactly. So exactly. That's, that's the thing. Like crazy. with with the uh, Scooby Doo, like the real estate developer never tried to pin the crimes on the mystery gang. You know, they didn't right. go like Velma is the one who's trying to develop the real <laughs> right. estate. You know, and, right? But exactly. in this case, it is like you know drag queens and queer people because we, you know, unfortunately we've been victims to abuse and violence, we can recognize those signs quicker on other people than others. And so we're usually the ones who are first to sound the alarm. And so the monsters, the the bad people that out to harm children, they know that we're the ones, we're the canary in the coal mine. You know, we're the ones who are going to raise the alarm. And so they want to get rid of us because it it messes with their con. Exactly. It's absolutely, it's very true. It's very true. And it's, uh, it's uh, spooky and weird. And like, I don't want to spend so much time protesting and talking about this that I don't get to actually do what I want to do, why I want to do drag to entertain people. Right. Mm-hmm. I, like, yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways it's like, let's yes, let's have this conversation. But if we're just constantly having this conversation, we're not going to talk about all the awesome stuff that the drag mm-hmm. community is doing. Like, like, Ignore, it's like television, right? Ignore, if we just ignore all of the crazy Republicans and Trump, they don't get any power. But if we give them all of this airtime, it just keeps perpetuating this idea. Um, Stop so, making yeah. terrible people famous. <laughs> no, Starting with Lady Bunny. We will never go. say oh Lady Bunny's God. name over again. <laughs> no, but, like you it. know, like the first time we had you on the show, uh, you had done this really amazing you know, ensemble show called the Lindsay, the Lohan project, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That and, was it was, saw it, yeah. and we ha- saw it in, in, in person in San Francisco and, and, and you play Lindsay Lohan through time. And it's a very sympathetic show sort of um, explaining the complex nature of this young woman who, you know, through circumstances beyond her control was thrusted into fame and did not handle that very well. I mean, in some ways, she is the Judy Garland of our time. Well, let's not go crazy. All right, all right, all right. All right. Maybe that's too much. <laughs> she just much, had a baby, right? She had a baby. Yeah. She did just have a baby. You know, it, it is. Um, I'm. You know, I, I'm still. I still quietly obsessed with her. Yeah. Um. But uh, I, I don't know that I could ever do that show again. But I'm. I'm. You know, I don't, I don't know how many of the young kids even are familiar with her in the old days. This this new generation of very young young people they seem to celebrate their ignorance which makes me a little crazy but so uh, i don't know that she would if that show could could exist in the now time i think that was really a moment mm-hmm. in time well yeah it certainly captured some of the zeitgeist surrounding her because she was you know the person of the day it was like what's Lindsay gonna do next i did another thing once right right when it was happening where i, I read all of amanda Bynes' tweets <laughs> With, with, with a bunch of with a bunch of drag queens, and that was pretty funny. Mm. That was pretty good. Well, I mean, that you have all good. these like really great show titles, which is very brave for politicians. I mean, it's San Francisco, but still, um, with you know, you have a show, a, a film actually, in on Hulu streaming called Shit and Champagne, and and all yep. these like hilarious, wacky shows with very um, risque titles. <clears throat> well, my, my yeah. new yeah, my new movie is called Champagne White: The Temple of Poon. <laughs> <laughs> but but again, I you know we had so much trouble with the 
word shit, which I'm a little I'm a little apprehensive about, you yeah. know, releasing the Temple of Poon. Um and yeah, I, I know it, it, I, there was part of me that's like, I can't believe they're going to give me this, um, the laureate position because, you know, if someone really wanted to dig into my past, I've, uh, there's a lot of skeletons and there's a lot of like dirty stuff. So. Well, the thing about those titles, you know, they, 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 they're not very SEO friendly. And I even think like Sex in the City, it's been rebooted and just like that, because if they were trying to advertise Sex in the City on Facebook or something, they might be like, oh, you can't advertise that or it won't get picked up because it has the word sex in it and, and that, all that's that the kind truth. of stuff. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I was, we were, we do Sex in the City live at the club still, mm-hmm. still popular. I play a mean Samantha Jones. And Wait, uh, you're not Carrie Bradshaw? How is that possible? <laughs> honey, please. I'm too beautiful. I, to I, be. I, 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 I love keep, Samantha. They keep saying she's going to make a cameo in this season. I'm like, how many more episodes? Because I think we're on season episode 10 of this season or yeah. something. It's, already, it's, right? the, it's, the, it, it's this episode. She's going to do it. And we, we just actually, we, we, we did two old episodes and we mocked the whole new show um, completely. And someone asked me, how did I learn how to do Samantha? His voice and I, I said it was a combination of Paul Lynn and Snagglepuss. <laughs> <laughs> let's hear a little bit of that. All right, let's uh, let's go. Um, oh, let me see. Here we go. <clears throat> the doors open. It's a jar, even, <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much Samantha yeah. Jones. <laughs> it is. That's it really is. good. It is Samantha it Jones. Is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we're a big but, fan but, of the movie Mannequin here in this house. Oh, I is, I love 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 anything Kim Cattrall. She's amazing. Mm. Well, but Mannequin you know, is great, and of course uh, Hollywood, um, played by I'm blanking out on his name, uh, designing women. Uh, uh, Meshach Taylor. Meshach Taylor. Yeah. Yes. Who, yes, who was you know there were, he was given us uh, his own film, basically Mannequin Two on the Move. Mm. And oh, it's I didn't terrible. It's oh my terrible. god, I have to watch it. I Some people are that. fans more of the sequel because it's so bad, you know, like it's a it's a campy bad film. But you right. know, Meshach Taylor, I mean, he just steals the show in anything he does. And you know, and, and, and really like if you think about like queer, gender nonconforming characters that we saw in media and film or television. Uh, his, you know, character of Hollywood, you know, do you think I look thin? Do you like that fat? You know, yeah. <laughs> those jelly donuts keep calling to me in the middle of the night. Come eat me, Hollywood. Eat me. And, and it's, right, and yeah. What would they do now? Like, like pick at the movie because that character was in it? Well, and Mannequin has Estelle Getty from uh, Golden yeah. Girls out yeah. of drag. It has I, yes, Kim Cattrall, exactly. of course, and Andrew McCarthy. So many icons, 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 and it's just a. It has that and the, a wonderful theme song. Yes, from Jefferson yes. Starship. Mm-hmm. Yes, you yes. know, and I'm just surprised why like no one does tributes or parodies of this film. Like it's just it's All begging right. for drag queens to do it. I got it. I got it. I'll do it. You're doing I'll do it? it. <laughs> I'll do it. What, what are you gonna play? Oh my god! <laughs> He's playing Estelle well, Getty. <laughs> hey, hey, no, no. Um, but yeah, I think actually that would be really, really popular. Mm. All right, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to do it. Hold me to it. Okay. You have Hold to, com- to, you have to comment on why a blonde white woman is Egyptian. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Um, okay. And then she, I I'll guess she's cursed, out. right? She, she. She doesn't want to get married to the person. Kim Cattrall plays an Egyptian princess. Right. 
Right. And she doesn't want to get married to the the guy she's been, you know, assigned to marry to so he she gets cursed and turned into a mannequin forever until she finds she gets kissed by true love. Yeah. So fast forward to San Francisco, modern day, Andrew McCarthy plays a lost soul who accidentally finds himself in as a window dresser in a department store run by Estelle Getty. And his co-worker is Meshach Taylor, who plays Hollywood, who's a hilarious, flamboyant, que- openly queer, fierce designer. And hijinks ensue. And of course, you know, love saves the day. And Kim Cattrall goes from being turned to a stiff, I'm sorry, <laughs> a mannequin to a stiff, <laughs> immovable actress. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was incredible! Like you weren't even reading the synopsis. I'm just, right br- then? I'm just, I've, I've talked about this so many times, you know. And I'm every, wow. I've told Peaches Christ this. I've told everybody, mannequin, 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 and everyone's like, who, what? I don't know if it's in the zeitgeist. It's like not a zeitgeist. Other. It is. It's the weirdest thing. It's like it's, it's the blind spot of drag culture. Well, you know, somebody who actually <laughs> did do that was um, uh, Detox. Was did a did a. A performance of it and she dresses up like a mannequin and then she's just stops. And she moves like a mannequin, right? And she stops and opens her purse and be like, give me some money. You know? <laughs> the opening the <laughs> handing the purse out and having like people throw money into it is a great gag. Yeah. For sure. That is. Because people want to participate in stuff like that. I know. Well, you know, I've been thinking about trying to do these a series of readings to see what people want to watch, right? And so maybe maybe that's one of the first ones we do. We do a, uh, a reading of the screenplay and see how many people show up. You know, in really high school, I was called Andrew McCarthy. Oh. Really? Because I looked like oh. him exactly in high school. And I was like, I want to be like Rob Lowe, not Andrew McCarthy. Rob Lowe was the hotter one. <laughs> oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. St. Elmo's Fire. Yes, you know, absolutely. Iconic film. So, you know, <clears throat> this year we've we've had some huge tragedies. Of course, one of the biggest is the loss of uh, another drag icon, Heclina who you started this uh, wonderful bar and performance venue, Oasis. And that I've known, I mean, I met Heclina, you know, I met Stefan the week he moved to San Francisco from Iceland in the early early 90s. So, you know, well, you know, no, we, we met at a, we met at a, um, (laughs) a a nightclub called Clubstitute and he went home I went home with someone else to their place and he went home with my roommate whose ex-boyfriend was living there. I came home unexpectedly later that night and found my roommate and Stefan screwing on my bedroom floor. Oh, at least it was on how, your floor, not your bed. Exactly. Well, they they had a little bit to the of, floor um, when they heard you coming in. <laughs> well, regardless, that's how I met. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I at those times she was a hot mess, and we weren't that close. Um, but I then I moved to New York, and I came back for a visit, and she had cleaned up her act and really made tranny shack into something, and like became at that point she was sort of the mayor, the drag mm. mayor of San Francisco. What, what year was, really, was that? That would have been uh, like ninety eight. Okay. Ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so you, yeah. you know, after sort of the, she decided to sort of retire the events at the stud club, you guys decided so, to, you know, put your money together and a bunch of other investors' well, money and, and open up Oasis. Sort of like that. What had happened was she had left the stud mm-hmm. and she was doing month, monthly events at DNA. And I moved back from New York and she was actually managing a little bar called, um, rebel and said hey you want to if you want to do anything i can give you tuesday nights and i was like i'm gonna i want to do sex in the city live and she said i want to do that with you and so we did that together and it and it was proof of concept right we could do two shows on a tuesday night people would come sell out get wasted have a have fun and then we started doing other parodies we did roseanne and friends and designing women and the it more and more people started coming eventually heclina quit managing that place but everyone sort of quit paying attention to that place like you can have any night you want and we started doing bringing in out, out of town folks um, basically making it into what Oasis originally uh, became. And then they closed the place down because they were going to turn into condos. And oh, we were man. like, we, we could go to someone else's bar or we can make our own. And it still took about two years to pull it off and trying to find spaces, people that would lease to us. And there was a lot of, you know, we om- it almost fell through twice. And it was one of those things where, on on Monday, the deal was going to go through. And on Thursday, they said, here's the key. You have three months free rent. We had to raise a million dollars in three months. Oh, wow. And um, it was crazy. And the community really rallied around it. We didn't raise the full amount of money. So, like, opening night, we had to, like, put curtain glitter curtains in front of the holes in the walls that weren't done and stuff like that. But um, we opened. And I had uh, no idea that it was so tenuous at first. It was really intense and, you know, it was hard. And then it, 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 it keeps going, right? I bought I bought my Heclina and my other business partner out because they wanted to retire and I didn't want to, I didn't want to let it go. And then, you know, we signed the contracts, gave them the money. And then two weeks later, the pandemic hit. And I was like, ah, oh, shit, like, is this the worst deal I've ever made in my life? But it actually turned out to be pretty amazing and is now stronger than it was before you did a lot of things during the pandemic to to make it go you were doing like uh uh, meals on heels was it called yeah (laughs) it was a drag delivery service yeah like we were like the uso show right like Mm -hmm. keep those drag performers employed keep the sparkle going and you know just sort of desperate to figure out what to do we started a streaming platform we were the very first ones to do outdoor dining and drag shows Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we kept it going, but it was, it was not easy. I, I mean, I still have total PTSD of, over that situation. I mean, talk about a, a massive disaster, but seemed like a massive disaster, but it gave me time to learn how to run the company by myself. It used to be four of us. Mm-hmm. And it also let me become closer to a lot of a bigger part of the community. And so now, you know, our offering is so much more diverse and it's the, the age groups of people that come there. So much more diverse than they were before. So it's, how, um, how has that changed? Is it like a, a, what do you mean? Like by age or like older people are coming well, or younger people are coming or younger people are coming. I think in some ways we had a little bit of a, uh, not everyone, but I think for some people, we were sort of the rich mm-hmm. white gay club. Mm-hmm. And now it's 
definitely not that anymore. I mean, it, it still costs money to run a club like that, so it's not super cheap, mm-hmm. but it definitely caters to a, uh, you know, much, much, you know, our night, our nighttime parties have a much younger audience coming to them that um, I'm really proud of. And did that, did that um, lead to Oasis Arts, your nonprofit organization? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, basically, I was like, I can only do so much to support all of this amazing art that is happening right now. I really, I feel like drag as an art form is really turned into something special in San Francisco. And these these performances and the amount of work that people are putting into and the way they're integrating video and it's just fantastic. And I, I can only do so much in terms of resources with the club because, you know, it's I, I run out of money eventually. Mm-hmm. And so trying to create, no, not trying, actually creating a nonprofit so that we can, you know, do an artist or residency program, do a program that supports the elders because, you know, we don't want, we don't want the trailblazers to just disappear that, um, you know, pave the way for us as performers, you know, to create um, a fund for queer filmmakers, like independent, low budget queer filmmakers that can have access to studio time mm-hmm. and equipment and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's um, really important and, and, the the Raynham Foundation has has donated, given us a huge grant to open the space. The San Francisco Film Commission has partnered with us on this beautiful five thousand square foot studio that I'm speaking to you from right now. Oh, that's great! Where um, are you located there? It's on Fourth Street between Bryant and Brannon, mm. right next to the old Trocadero over by mm. the, the the ballpark. Well, that, I mean, that's uh, you know, kudos to you for that because it's you know you're you're running a business, so you can only really have artists that you're going to make some money from, you know, to some degree. And so it's wonderful that you're, because a lot of these, you know, these, these people create this wonderful art, but maybe it's not seen by a lot of people or at least people who can afford to buy a ticket. And so it's a wonderful way to get money into the hands of artists to create art. Well, and, and you know, San Francisco is like home to some extraordinary queer drag centric filmmakers like Brian Benson, who's, best known for his shorts as cousin Wonderlet. And well, if he you guys also, haven't seen it, uh, go to so good. drop some acid, go to YouTube. <laughs> and it, you know, it's just like, to me, I'm like, it, it, it almost breaks my heart that not enough people are even aware of these extraordinary films that are being made. It's true. And it's, I, you know, I don't, I'm still, you know, at a loss of how to get that out. Um, Brian's amazing. He he was one of the producers on my film, and uh, you know even even my little film, while it's gotten a lot of press, it's still like I still feel like it is the underdog. Um, it is it. I, I almost want to do like a queer cinema one hundred and one because there is yeah. so much um, great filmmaking that happened that a lot of people, especially the young, young folks don't have any reference point to. Well, do you think it's like the response to the COVID pandemic? And like we here in Chicago, a beloved queer owned movie theater uh, for the new 400, the new 400, which has been for, for Chicago's oldest theater. Yeah. It's like all these uh, theaters are closing and, and people are just, you know, not going to music to physical theaters. One, because, 
people pull out their phones and they're on their phones while they're watching a movie, ruining the experience for other people. Money, it's expensive. Or it's expensive and the movies are not that good. They COVID's really, killing people. COVID, you know, you know and, and there's just like a lot of reasons <laughs> not to be out in physical spaces, but you know, ultimately like our humanity is at stake here. You know, it's, it's not being around people is going to fuck us up. We have to, we have to retrain people. It's really, it's so sad. And we have to, you know, being a business owner, I, I'm so clear on, you got to spend money at th- wherever yeah. you want to last. Right. If I, you know, there's a flower guy that sells flowers by my house. I don't always want flowers, but I want him there. So I'm going to buy flowers. Right. And we have to do that. We we're addicted to DoorDash and Netflix. Can't continue like this. Well, so much we of our entertainment on online is free or expected to be free, you know? And, and so I it's know. like, I everybody's, know. you know, stabbing each other in the back to become famous on TikTok. And I'm like for, for a four second video about putting on makeup. And I'm just like, I'm sick of makeup tutorials, you know? It's like, I don't want to see know. a drag queen putting on eyeliner, you know? It's like... <laughs> Girl, I don't either. You know? Um, Even in documentary yeah. films, like, when it's like a cliche. You know? You go oh, back no, to, no. like, the Queen, uh, the 1968 film with, you know, Crystal Labeja. I, I love, yes, of course. And, and you look at it, and it's just like, from there to Paris is burning to RuPaul's drag race to just everything. It's some drag queen sitting in front of a mirror going, you know, spewing a lot of interesting things, saying a lot of funny things, but ultimately it's like, I want to see them in other contexts and, and, you know, blur those lines. And even like, I want to see drag queens out of drag, you know? Yeah. Stop relying on that, on that makeup. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you, almost every photo shoot or, or video shoot I do where they're in the dressing room, they're like, put on makeup, put on makeup. And they, they want those shots. You're absolutely right. How did you get into drag? How did your drag career start? Um, I saw Mary Poppins when I was three. No. <laughs> and, you know what? I, I, and I was like, Mom, I want a dress, umbrella, and some high heel shoes. And she went and bought them for me. So I think, you know, having parents that were so easy about it. it was Are you always serious? More- you, your first drag was you dressed up like Mary Poppins? Yeah. And I <laughs> ran around the house. Did you have the <laughs> parrot uh, umbrella? I didn't get it. I wasn't that fancy, but I got an umbrella and I got to my heels. I think I, you know, we went to a thrift store and I got a wedding dress, the small wedding dress <laughs> and ran around. <laughs> and it, feel, feeling my Mary Poppins fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it sort of just to me, for me, it was something I always did a little bit, but it really started to happen, come out in theater for me. Right. It was, you know, Project Lohan, Shit and Champagne when it was a live show, a number of other shows that I had done and all the parodies and, and that sort of just, you know, it segued for, for me, ultimately, I'm not, I'm not a, a queen that does, you know, lip sync brunches and lip syncing isn't really my forte. I can do it. And, and and I I host tons of Queens and Kings that do it, but I'm more into the films and the theatrical, you know, so I'm a little bit more like a Charles Bush in that respect um, where I write and star in the shows. And, um, but I also, I'm a business person. I feel like that is, I'm not, I, 
working with Heclina, the two of us really helped each other. I feel like I elevated her art and she made me a smarter business person. People, yeah. <laughs> well, you learned something from Heclina besides eating ass. <laughs> Exactly. There's one other thing. She she liked ass and money. Mm-hmm. So, what did you um, learn from Hecklina the most? Like she was just like, listen, you got to pay your bills. Yeah, like I mean, she was she was a very shrewd business person, and um, it, she was also really really quick at making decisions and decisive decisions, and not caring what the outcome necessarily was. She didn't, you know. So so it was all about being a money-making business mm. for her drag drag was the way that she learned how to make money she didn't have a college education she didn't have anything else and you know in the 90s she thought she was going to be dead and then all of a sudden cocktail came out and she survived and she was like i gotta figure out how i'm going to get a retirement plan and so drag became that for her and so you know it really did start to you know before I was so all about the art, I could lose all my money, spend all my money that I was making obsessed with making the art. And I'm like, she taught me how to find that balance Mm. um, and how to, Mm -hmm. and how to not be afraid of making decisions. And yes, if one thing doesn't work, you go on to the next one immediately. So that was very helpful. And I I mean, I like to think that I, I um, introduced her to a beauty blender and how to put on fake nails. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what I imagine must have been shocking and and depressing and horrible when she just passed away unexpectedly uh, just a week before our show in London. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd spoken to her the day before. It was so surreal and so weird. And, and she didn't see it coming. None of us did. I mean, yeah. she she for sure didn't see it coming. She I was that night she was, had been talking with peaches about all these th- you know, plans for the future. And it was, uh, I think a big shock for a lot of people, you know, I mean, Hecklina was a polarizing person. I, I mean, we all talk about how much, how fabulous she was. She was also a, a cunt sometimes, and she was a hard person to deal with. And, um, <laughs> let's just be real. It's like, that's, that's the truth. And like, and she wasn't the nicest person and she, she created stages for lots of drag performers but not because she wanted to help people it's because she wanted to make money mm. but with but but it helped people i mean it's sort of like did, rupaul right? yeah. i mean but rupaul elevates a lot of drag queens but just so just so rupaul can make money rue could never do what they do on the show rue, rue doesn't do her own makeup she doesn't mm. do all of that right so Eclina really wasn't a fantastic performer and you know she wasn't a friend of everybody necessarily, but she created a space and she revolutionized drag. Mm. So, you know, not well, everyone is mm-hmm. going to be perfect. They're going to have their weird, you know, idiosyncrasies. Well, I imagine when somebody unexpectedly dies like that and it is a polarizing figure and, you know, it elevates them to the realm of legend. And imagine oh. that people were just speculating wild about what happened. Well, totally. And it's also like Heather's. Someone dies and all of a sudden just, you know, everyone, they're everyone's best friend and everyone loves them and everyone has amazing stories. But it also really does. It's a wake up call. Like this could all be over today for all of us, you, me, all of us. Mm-hmm. And so Life is short. really it is. And pay yeah. attention and don't wait and really 
be grateful for what you're doing. You know, I, I was stressing out about the new film because we just we just got wrapped from the principal photography. Thank you. And, um, you know, I was so stressed out about, oh, do we miss that shot? Did this work? Do I look OK in that one? And I realized you got to love the process. you got to love what you're doing to make the art. you got to love what you're doing every day or you shouldn't be doing it because any day we could, I could walk out and get hit by a car. I could have a heart attack or whatever, you know? Mm. So I think, you know, so, so her, her, to make her death not be in vain, I think it's important to have it there be, that is what she's teaching all of us. Like, don't wait, seize the day. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure somebody was like, you know, trying to start, trouble and saying that she had been murdered by a rival or something like that. <laughs> I think that was you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Maybe. you tried to start that room. No, I'm just like, you know, and, and part of it is like, uh, we had a friend of ours, Jojo Baby, here in Chicago, who died like weeks before she just, did. Like a week before. A week, yeah, and it was just like, it, it just was such a depressing time. And it, you it, know, really, it, it affected um, us in a visceral way that created this cloud of sadness that I don't know if we still. Well, we see so, so many people, yeah. so many entertainers and friends of ours, and people who give their night, their life to the nightlife and to into the arts, and then just you know, they just check out early, and it's just it's 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 sad, and it's um, you know. It's That's why depressing. whenever I say goodbye to anybody, and I you say, mean it. Well, and I said if I die tomorrow, <laughs> avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean Bro. by that? I was like, find out who killed me and make them pay. And they're just right. like, uh, I just met you five minutes ago. I was like, I am relying on you. You gotta do yeah. my right. You know. Well, you know, it is it is that to the T. I mean, we, I, I'm in this group text that used to include Hecklina, and finally yeah. we kept texting, and her phone was still involved. And like, we gotta get off of this, but you know, she's, she would have, we was constantly saying, God, if she was alive right now, she would be going off so hard on these people. And it is, it is, we, I miss it. I mean, I mean, we're yeah. about ready to do, we're, we're doing the golden girls live again. And you know, it's been really tough uh, to go through the costumes and be like, wow, she's not coming back. She's Who's not going to be here. Arthur? Coco Peru. Oh, wow. Well, oh. That's, you know, that's a, an acceptable I mean, <laughs> substitution. It, acceptable. it is. You know, I had to really think about it. And, and they were really close. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Coco would be the person that Hecklina would approve of. Wait a second. And I so think Coco Peru is not going to wear her wig for the first time in <laughs> centuries. Or is she? I had, I, I, no, I had a new wig made. And I, and we just had the photo shoot two days ago. Like the day after I wrapped the movie, we had the photo shoot for Golden Girls. And she looks pretty good. I gotta say. Wow. I, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> yeah, I've only ever seen her and she has her classic wig, but she also had I a wig know. recently with longer red hair. <laughs> no, she, she also had a short bob cut and everybody was like, no. And she was like, I just wanted to try something. And new. the thing about it too is it's the same wig that she's had for years. <laughs> yeah. Like, she just had a cut. I, I think she's only owned like two of those wigs, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Jackie Beat's nickname for her is One Wig. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Well, yeah. it is the same wig from Trick. I know it is. It's got wait, be. wait, the same exact object. <laughs> <laughs> Smells a little funny. I know, right? It burns. <laughs> it burns. Um. The wig is covered in cum. <laughs> <laughs> you don't shine a UV light on it. You won't like what right? you see. <laughs> 
Exactly. But you know, I know exactly. I don't know anybody who is more hilariously vicious than Coco Peru. So the point, like, you know, I'm not really Jackie that Jackie beats int- pretty vicious. Jackie beats funny and, and vicious and smart, but you know, Coco's on a whole nother level. And I'm not really that interested in what Rue girls or reality TV stars have to say on social media. They're always like, come check out my gigs and blah. Here's my new single. Here's my t-shirt. You know. Soul can clock. Soul can clock. Hey, be nice to Monica Beverly Hills. But her secret's that she's not from Beverly Hills. But, but, you know, so like when Bianca Del Rio posts something on social media, I'm always like rolling my eyes like, oh, come on. She's I don't want to hear about you hanging out with some celebrity. This is bullshit. I don't want to hear about you. No, none of this shit. And Coco Peru comes into her comments and just slices her to <laughs> bone. Every single perfect for Dorothy. Every exactly. single time, ruthless, vicious, yeah. and everybody loves it. And if you can, well, you can, yeah. you can outwit Bianca Del Rio. You're. The I queen. think Bianca sets her up for it. You though, think so? so? Absolutely, because she's cahoots. brilliant too. You know. <laughs> but but, well, but here's the, but yeah. the funny thing is, you're absolutely right. She is. She cuts to the bone. But everyone also loves her, like like in a way that is not the we love you because you're so mean. They mm-hmm. love her because you know she also is. She can make you cry. Her out humanity, of like, her humanity. Yeah, it's those big, exactly. It's those giant, oversized, big blue eyes. Maybe that's it, what it, it is. is. Just made, like a little baby that says mean things. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a part of it is like, and I think people who are not familiar with drag culture, you know, a lot of this like sardonic humor you know this this time of like um it, it on the surface this comes across so vicious and mean and we're like mm-hmm. why are you being intentionally mean and part of it is like it's it's our way to bond with each other and to laugh at the struggles that we face in real life well absolutely but it's mean with wit because here's the thing i yeah. see these, these young queens come into the dressing room and are just bitches like and and it, like that's not a read that's just being that's just being rude like you have to read with a sense of humor you've got to be you've got to you've got to cut cut with um the comedy and that's what coco does it's well and sometimes funny. drag queens do go too far and um lady bunny one time and that both of them have <laughs> talked about this on the show so we're not we're not ta- we're not gossiping here this is documented Lady right. Bunny thought it was very would be very funny to go up to Hecklina, both of them in drag, while they mm. were DJing. They both were DJing that night or something, and she thought it would be really funny to slap Hecklina as she's mixing on in the DJ booth. Right? I don't know if it was the DJ booth. They were they were in the DJ booth, and, and the reason is because I'll get to that in a second. So Lady Bunny goes up to her and she kind of looks like you know fuck you Hecklina, and she just smacks her open hand with a slap on her face and Hecklina is so shocked and you know, she's military. So she leaps onto lady bunny and starts choking her. (laughs) On the floor. Yeah. And I think she takes her bag of of CDs and smacks her with it. That's why they're in the DJ booth and she starts choking her on the floor and, and lady bunny's going, I'm sorry, Hicklin. I'm sorry. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I never when, heard when that. When they story. found her body, the police oh were raided Lady Bunny's apartment. I think that's when Lady Bunny stopped drinking. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she spent a week in jail. 
until when they're questioning her. That's that. That last part is not true, but everything okay. else is. <laughs> I love that. Isn't well, that I a story? That is a story. I love a good drag queen ball. Yeah, Were you familiar with tell. this? The Great Fight? I, in front I of everybody. Heard this. I missed that. And no one, that. shame on you. You guys call yourselves fans of drag or whatever. Where was your cell phones? <laughs> Where was true. it? You know, you're, Wait, you're busy canceling this queen for saying this <laughs> and not tipping somebody. And you had the receipts and the evidence. And the one time you should have pulled out your camera, you didn't. Because you were exactly. entertained. And when you're being exactly. entertained, you don't have time to pull out your phone. That's Just true. Saying. That's true. Well, no, no. I mean, and those moments go down in history. We, there was this great video of, of Trixie Mattel falling off our stage at Oasis. I, I remember I've seen that. that. Yeah, it's very famous. And it's, and it, it's so satisfying. And you know, we, we did a big. Um, it is satisfying. Yeah. We, we did a big. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Damn it, she, she was so padded. But we did a big te- we did a big telethon to save the Oasis, which was before the other telethon. Mm. And we had you know, and we raised two hundred and seventy thousand dollars, which was amazing in twelve hours. Wow. And we had so many queens send in videos, and Trixie said she would, and then she didn't, and she ghosted me, and um, so. Every time we had a break, we would just play the Benny Hill theme and show her over and over falling off stage. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. I was like, I could watch this for like an hour. Oh, oh my God. So, That's, hey, I, um, I wanted to ask you about one show that a lot of people may not know about. You did a dr- live drag parody of Star Trek. Yes. What, what was that? Done- Can you please tell us about <laughs> that? We've we've actually done that many times, and we're do, we're going to do it again next year, a new episode. But we have some amazing drag kings, and we have what Elvis or Selvis Lee Crow. Oh, wow, is 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 I think the only William Shatner and per, per, yeah. she's a male William Shatner impersonator. Um, I mean, she's incredible. She's incredible, and. Um, so it's worth it just to go see her. But we do all the Star Trek. We, we actually found a um, blueprint of the chair and we rebuilt the chairs to spec, you know, exactly like the original captain's chair. And uh, yeah, we reenact the episodes live on stage and they're, uh, the, the fan base for that is crazy. Wow. It's so who crazy. do you play? Well, you know, I direct them, and I, okay. um, I'll, I'll, I have not been in every single one of them, but I often will play, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the space babes. I was I, the one, the great one where she, I played Janice Lester, Doctor Janice Lester, mm-hmm. which was Kirk's ex, and I swap our brains, and so I had to play Captain. So I'm I'm in oh, my hot. lady bo- mm-hmm. body with Captain Kirk's brain. I think that was the, then, that actually did happen though. And that right? was I think the last was that the last episode ever of Star Trek of, of the original was, series. I think it might have been yeah yeah. I think Gene a, Roddenberry had like a little gender switch kind of thing before because you know what I I just found out I've read today is uh, Metron one of the characters from who was like the person that presided over Kirk's battle with the Gorn was played by a woman but she lip synced and the voice was by a man. 
Oh, wow. and so and they did that to kind of like throw people off, and they did the same thing with in the in the cage, which was the original pilot for Star Trek. Is they had a woman oh. playing it with a man's voice, or was it a man playing it in a woman's voice? It was a female, a signed female at birth actor yes. uh, with a male voice. voice yes, yeah. and I was just well, like, you oh. know, I always I mean my, that was Desi Lu Productions, right? It's their studio. Mm. Lucy always feels like a little bit queer to me. Uh, Carol Cook, her best friend (laughs) on this show. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. She's like uh, the boobies grandma from 16 Candles. She was on the the Lucy show. She was uh, close friends with Lucille Ball, lived with her for years. Lucy like changed her name to Carol. Dyed her hair red. So yeah, so Lucy's best friend was Carol Lombard, who died in a, Uh married to Clark Gable, died in a plane accident, missed her terribly. Met this other person. Carol said, Cook. She said, you're going to be Carol from now on. Had her move in with her into her home. And then she said, you're going to have the same color hair as I did. So Lucy had her own special hair dye. Mm-hmm. And she had her dye the hair. <laughs> the same, they had the same exact color hair. So if you watch the old Lucy show, uh, Carol's on it. And like they have the same color wow. hair. It's kind of, wow. like She didn't say, like, she. I have to go back and listen to that podcast. But uh, she kind of like gave that energy that vibe that lucy was was obsessed with her. her yeah right you know right. more than just friends yeah she, she hinted at that there was a romantic element to their relationship that doesn't surprise me in the least you know but of course you know it's but. like it's also very lesbian to call your ex-husband a loser you know she's like that loser <laughs> i know and she's like sit and her you ever see that husband, interview with her her current husband sitting right next to her and is like well what does she call me when i'm not around? <laughs> exactly you know well darcy <clears throat> what are you uh, hoping to accomplish in the next i think you have only like 10 more months as uh the poet laureate the drag, drag laureate the drag, drag laureate yeah well um i want to do a couple of things they they really want me to do a big event, and so I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to gear up to do a big, I think, outdoor drag festival. I think we can have a, a, a West Coast wig stock, so to speak. It won't be wig stock, clearly, but I think that it would be great to have a big drag festival that also included, you know, drag story hour and, um, you know, did some things that were also useful, like um, what do you. I mean, I know it's uncomfortable to talk about active shooter training and do shit like that, but like to have an educational component and then, but also have a big celebration of drag. That's one thing I want to do. The other thing I want to do and I'm obsessed with is, you know, we have so much empty real estate. There's a mall near, near the club that everything is gone in the mall. It's all closed. And Bed Bath & Beyond was the largest store there. and It closed finally. Mm. And I would love to take the Bed Bath & Beyond store and turn it into a drag mall. And, you know, <laughs> San Francisco Drag Emporium. And you could have every... It'd be great. You could have people who could, you know, sell the clothes and the wigs that they made. Entrepreneurs could do shoes, jewelry. You could have a, a place to have food with drag queen king waitress, waiters and waitresses. You could have a show place. You could have a drag makeover. Think of the drag mall cops. It would be amazing. <laughs> I was a mall rat when I was a teenager in the 80s. For sure. We hung around. We smoked cigarettes. We stocked the stores. I'm, we didn't shoplift because we were good kids, but... We probably but wouldn't have. you wouldn't you want to if you were a kid now go to a place that had all I mean like I just think it would be a it would be a tourist destination spot it would help the local economy and help the drag performers 
Uh, well, I mean, let money. any drag queen who has not shoplifted makeup from Walgreens <laughs> have something well, to say. And I'll hear exactly. <laughs> Shit. Silence. Well, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, Walgreens. you know, Walgreens is like, <laughs> they're like, where's Everything. our LGBTQ award? <laughs> giving you guys have free you makeup for decades. Have you been to a Walgreens lately? Like every single thing. Yeah. Q-tips are under lock and key. Like you have well, to call, you have to push the button to buy Q-tips. It depends on like, which one you go to. Oh well, here in San Francisco, yeah. it's pretty insa- it's pretty crazy. Yeah, there's there's one in our neighborhood which like barely anything's locked up, but then the one that's like in the less affluent neighborhood that's also nearby, everything's locked up. Yeah, but they don't realize that it's the rich people that steal things. Well, right, exactly. Yeah, the Lindsay, for, uh, Lindsay Lohan. For fun. <laughs> for fun. For they, fun. They, the reason, they've done studies on shoplifting, and most people don't shoplift because they need to. They, I mean, they need to for one reason or another, but they, they're doing it not because they're trying to feed themselves or, or they can't afford it. They're doing it because they don't feel seen and recognized by the world, and especially the store. I mean, I... Fully agree with you. I mean, I, that's the same way I think reason people litter. Just like, fuck you. Everyone's such assholes to me. You clean up my mess. Mm. It um, is a, it's a way to get even. It is. It you know, is. So when you don't have kinda, any power, sometimes you just, you know, a, a little thing like that can actually feel very empowering. The other thing I really want to do, you know, is yeah. I talk about this <laughs> Besides all, all the time. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to shoplift. <laughs> Um, yeah. But what I what I yeah. talk about, and it's one of those things where I, I realize, you know, I teach this dance class called Sexitude mm-hmm. every Sunday because I need something Ooh. to do every single minute of my life. Which again, Sexitude, just like Sex in the City, you you, you can't run an ad on Facebook because the word sex is in it because because this this country, you know, cherishes violence over sex all the time. But that's another topic. Anyway, I talk about in that class. How, you know, if we can walk through the world being a little more fabulous um, every day, then we inspire everyone around us to be more fabulous. And if everyone's more fabulous, there's that much less room in their hearts and their brains for violence and anger and hostility. And, you know, I've been able to preach this on, you know, every television show I've gone on. And, And granted, like this doesn't work for if you live in Uganda, right? Because you can't you can't walk down the the street and be fabulous to go to jail but we are able to do that here and we're assholes if we don't take the opportunity to live a more authentic life but i re- i realize that getting this drag laurea program is an, an appointment is letting me speak that to the world in a broader sense and i you know all joking aside that is important for all those young little kids who are growing up today well, it's just like, you know, people can afford gym memberships anymore. And so, you know, it's like, it's, it's getting moving. They've done this. There's yes. one study. Like if you can, most Americans don't even get 2000 steps in a day. Terrifying. And you know, the human body's 10,000 steps is ideal, but like they even said, like, if you can get 2000 steps in a day, just moving your body can have profound ramifications for your long-term and short-term mm-hmm health and mental wellness. And I talked any octogenarian that I've ever met in my mm-hmm. hundred jobs like you do that I have, I always ask them, it's like, how do you stay so young and fit and aware? I mean, you're like a hundred years old and you look like you're 20, you know, besides the Botox really? and the plastic surgery. And they're all, they're all <laughs> one thing they share in common is they all walk. Mm-hmm. 
And that, that's oh. it. The dancers, Elvira, Cassandra Peterson said on the show, it's like the reason she looks so good is because she's first and foremost a dancer and the legs are the last to go. Yeah. And same like with Madonna, you know, it's like you know, people think they're counting her out like she's old, but like she, once you start dancing, that can take you for a long, long time. You can rest on that. Although Madonna now looks like wish.com. She Madonna. actually, since she's recovered, <laughs> she, she's recovered, she, she looks better. I don't know if it's a different filter. Like something, like something happened when she it was uh, having her bacterial infection or whatever. I don't know if they took something right. out or if something settled or I don't know what, but her face looks like normal again. Oh, I think, I think that, you know, the good thing about filler is it goes away. Mm. Well, it's not silicone. She's gay. So she, yeah, that last picture with her son, I thought she looked pretty good. Yeah, and, like, I, I, and I got to give a shout out to Elvira because I got to say, you know, her first movie was what inspired me so much to do any of my champagne movies. Mm. That movie is just so my Bible. And I could, you know, so I, I constantly reference that for my film. So if anyone loves that Mistress of the Dark, they How's should watch it in champagne. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> One so, of the best jokes ever made that ever, people ever. still don't get. Mm-hmm. I know. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, uh, what, how is your head? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, on a scale of one to ten, you know, I, I use a little too much teeth, I'm told. So I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> yeah, there was this uh, image of Ted Nugent, the right wing former rock star. Uh, there was like these photos of dildos in the background of, of a, like an interview that he did. And it turns out it's like it was photoshopped. Oh, and I was boo. so disappointed. I was like, oh, my God, Ted Nugent is coming out as a dildo queen. But Kid Rock was seen spotted drinking a Bud Light. Yeah. That did actually happen. That is funny. That is funny. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a, there's, we had um, 87 dildos in my, my new movie. <gasps> what? And we, yes. Because, well, they fall down in the temple and, and the, the queen, my, my sidekick, Sergio the Queen in the movie, falls into a pit of dildos instead of snakes and does the whole... Dildos? Ooh. Why it gotta be dildos? But my and but what I love is I had a really professional crew, and there's also you know a giant cum joke. The movie's basically one giant cum joke, um, and uh, it, it I had so many people sit in a room and seriously talk about the consistency of the cum and how far the cum needed to get shoot. What did you and use when for the cum? cup of cum? They made they made a. Uh, there was the cum that got drunk. So the cum that got drunk, a vegan had to drink the cum. So it was um, a coconut milkshake with some almond milk mm-hmm. put in there to kind of make it a little. Um, and he had to drink 32 ounces in one take, <gasps> oh, wow. which was, yeah, it was a lot of cum. See, in the movie, I get champagne gets framed for murder and. All she knows is the guy has a mustache, and they said that she needs the DNA. So she figures if she can get the cum from every man with a mustache in San Francisco in the seventies, then she can she can find the killer. And so <laughs> well, then of course the someone, they sell they do sell a they do sell a fake cum. I think, I think I think the actual cum that they use because in the first movie there was a huge loogie that needed to be spit and that was a fake loogie mm. and I think they they had a they bought the fake the the vat of fake cum. But Darcy, I thought you were a method actor. No, I'm a meth head actor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give her a rock. Oh, must to be it. real. Exactly. Well, you know, if I was drinking the cum, yes. 
but I didn't, I, you know, um, but Brian, it was really your fun. interns work really hard. <laughs> well, I was a little milk bit worried. It, so I'm, I, no, I'm sitting there like, and I'll put that dildo there. No, no, that dildo there. Yeah. Yeah. Shake it, shake it. And I'm thinking, are they going to cancel me like Lizzo? Like I'm forcing all these people to do these dirty sex things that are on my payroll. <laughs> How do you like get around that? Cause it's like, it seems like Lizzo's just like over her head in dealing with these dancers. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like who if I'm going out to a party, I'd be like, pull that banana out of that but pussy. You know what I mean? That's what. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you know, it's not like they were like they went to this bar and there was all kinds of shenanigans, right? And you know, I guess that you're feeling pressured to go to this thing because it is your employer. Oh. But I don't know. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, personally, I'm like. Get a spine. If you don't want to fucking pull the banana out of the vagina, don't do it. Like, but to do it and then sue the person. Maybe uh, Lizzo's a bully behind the closed door. She's like, I'm, you can't get any bigger than me. What was, I mean, was the, uh, the weight? She was weight shaming her dancers. And right, I'm sure I don't know if it was bad. her or like a lot of this is centered around the choreographer. The banana, I think, was on. Uh, yeah, on, but on. the choreographer, somebody was like, and I'm trying to figure out like, but didn't they hire them because they were plus size? So yeah, exactly. So I'm like, were they just because they were getting too big and they were worried of them upstaging Lizzo? Like, I don't get it. I don't I understand. Mean, there's, there's only so much room on the stage. Oh, <laughs> um, no. But well, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's all. It all seems. I mean, but it just like they kept coming out of the woodwork and then it starts to get a little bit like, really, are you all that mistreated? I mean, maybe they are, you know, and it, it's one thing if she was raping them. But if you if, she, if she's pressuring you to, to do something like that at a strip club, I'm like, I don't know. Everyone feels like snowflakey when it comes to that kind of stuff. Well, but, maybe maybe Lizzo is like <laughs> running a sweatshop or something. You know? Well, it is. It, I mean, it is. I hope she doesn't get canceled too hard because she does have a great message and I love her. But, you know, it's uh, it is. It feels like there's no one's no one's a saint. I don't know. You know? Like hearing Lizzo's like in real life, like a bully and forcing her dancers to pull bananas out of vaginas makes me like her even more. <laughs> you, know <what> <laughs> Good. Good. you know what I'm saying? I'm like, give this woman, <laughs> make her the exactly. next drag laureate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Do you get a chance I mean, or a, to weigh in on who's going to be the next, uh, your, your replacement? Yeah. I, I got to pick them. You do. You're the one who picks them. I got I mean, there'll be a, uh, there'll be a committee that will work with me, but I, I thought I'll have the final say. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I, and I want to create things like, like, you know, I don't know, you, you know, if I can get this festival to happen, which I made bigger things happen. So I don't see why not, or the drag mall or whatever it is. I'd like to really create some, some things that can be passed on from laureate to laureate and everyone can put their own spin on it but a banana be, there we go <laughs> must be willing to work retail <laughs> exactly but i you know i want to do something that that can go down in history a little bit being the first one it feels exciting but also <laughs> like i gotta i gotta make this shit up like as, as i go so you got some money so, for it did they give you a little trophy or you got a plaque what did you get what did you get I got no. I didn't get a trophy or a t-shirt. I got didn't even get a freaking t-shirt. Well, but got, they you did must have say got a proclamation they, or something, right? Yes, I got a, I got a proclamation, and I got uh, 
you know, to go back into into the mayor's private office behind the real office, and you know, we're, we're like besties now. Oh, yeah, I know. She 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 texts me about like what what's going on tonight. I want to go out with some friends. I'm 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 the party planner. <laughs> Well, um, I have a Ouch. Yeah, it, it, it is. Uh, I, they, they said that they would help design some sort of a pin, you know. Mm-hmm. But I would like, I, I think that they, that they should, you know, it should get, I should get some sort of statue or plaque, or at least the next people should. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I have, but I, I still, I've gotten to, I've, I've been able to, find myself in pretty great situations and, uh, uh you know, have, uh, they gave me a, a float in the parade and I got to host the main stage. And also they asked me to like speak at the Alice Butokla's democratic, um, breakfast, which happened on pride Sunday at 8am. Right. So I had to be there in drag at 8am. They're like, you're the first speaker, go. They put me up on stage and I look out and there's like Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and Katie Porter, like right there looking up at me. And I, I will say that was the most tongue tied I have been so far. Mm. Well, at least but you got you know it what? done and got it over with and then you can go back home and go to sleep, right? I, I, well, no, then I had to go march in the parade and then I had to host the main stage. Oh, so all in one day. Damn. <laughs> all in one day. And then I thought it would be fun to go host my club. By I guess you really do d- need meth for all that. Huh? <laughs> well, I mean, I it, t- yeah, it feels like, my- you know, with drag and, and, and club entertainers, it's like they are pushing themselves really, really hard. My feet were so swollen and I was wearing yeah. strappy platforms. It looked like Miss Piggy's foot. I don't know if you've ever seen Miss <laughs> Piggy's foot. And, yeah. um, you know, the, 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 the strap just because they were so swollen. Oh, and no. by the way, by the way, Miss Piggy is my role model. I just want you to know that someone described Champagne, my character in all these movies as as, you know, Miss Piggy come to life. And and I've, I've really tried to emulate her zero to 100 um, emotional range. Mark, who is it that, that so, said, uh, describe Miss Piggy as a spirit of a truck driver trapped was, in a it, female pig's it, body? It was, it was the creators of, of Miss Piggy. They were like, we were at the Comic-Con convention, we were hearing them speak, and they were talking about uh, how they developed Miss Piggy's body, and they're like how they came up with the voice. They said, what would a truck driver sound like if he woke <laughs> up in the body of a female pig? So in many ways, you know, it's it's kind of like those characters from Star Trek. There's a little bit of um, some some uh, crossing gender uh, barriers. There's a queer sensibility. Yeah, a queer sensibility There's to it. There's such a queer sensibility. And I love that she can go from loving you and like one second later karate chop you. Because mm-hmm. she's so mad. She love bombs um, you and then... Yes, well, all those yeah. all those Muppet, the Muppets characters were based on, you know, a vaudevillian characters like, you know, Bert and Ernie were um, Laurel and Hardy. And Laurel and Hardy's mm. ha- half of the gag was they were a couple and they was they were so poor they had to be gay. <laughs> they shared a bed together. Oh, wow, that's hilarious. And in a lot that of is- Lauren Hardy uh, movies and shorts, and certainly Charlie Chaplin did this, there's like they have to cross dress out of circumstances. And, you know, somebody falls in love with them because they're just so beautiful, you know? Exactly. exactly. I mean, you know, that's you're a beautiful fun. woman. People fall in love with me all the time. Really? Do you get oh. marriage proposals on social media? <laughs> no, just a lot of, hi, what's up? Oh really? 
Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you should you should have you should see what most drag queens get in terms of yeah. um, the weird random. Uh, I mean, almost every day, someone someone DMs you. I got a DM on on Grinder today, and there was no picture. And they said, "How are you?" And my response was, "I'm visible." Whoa! <laughs> and he's just like, "What does that mean?" <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> like, send a pic, Reductive goddamn it, Madonna. You know, I'm not talking to some blank right. profile. Come on. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, not to get too intimate and stuff, but you know, do you usually like do you like, hey, send me a picture? slide into my dms let's see well, it's, it sort of depends i i unlike <laughs> unlike the lady bunnies and the hecklinas of the world i have a it, it, the few times that i've hooked up in drag have been kind of um a little bit fails oh really it wasn't it wasn't as exciting as you wanted it to be well, it seems exciting because the kind of, you know, oftentimes the guys that want to hook up with a drag queen or, you know, these guys on the DL, they're, they're hot, right? But, um, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, especially if they hadn't, if you don't, I'm pretty, I'm a, I'm 6'1", right? I'm not this little diminutive, um, you know, princess. I, I can take a picture where I look kind of small, but in reality, no, I'm I'm always bigger than than them. And uh, but it's also like you know to to make me look the way I do, and the amount of corseting and padding that goes into making it happen. It's you can't really escape that in those moments. Mm. You know, it's uh, and and then your nails fall off and they stick to parts of their body that I won't talk about, but oh, like, wow. like <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a, it's a little bit of a, and I get it how some people that that is their entire sex life that are that, that like, you know, like Heclina, um, you know, or, or even Jackie beat talks about it all the time, how, you know, she can hook up all the time and in drag, but, uh, yeah. Wait a sec. Um, what? <laughs> that's what Jackie Jackie talks about it all the time. Now she's found a whole new world. She needs to. Fucker. She probably Good looks very different than she does. <laughs> Ever since she got those hi those hips fixed, she can take a dick. <laughs> she thrusts it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. Maybe it's all talk. Who knows? But um, <clears throat> <laughs> well, congratulations on this huge accomplishment and honor and uh, the draft. Drag laureate of San Francisco, well, thank you. the first drag laureate anywhere in the world. You know, in the world. And he talk and, about um, exporting that to other cities or jurisdictions. Well, I I think they have since named a drag laureate in West Hollywood. And I heard there's rumors so. there's going to be one in Oakland. <laughs> well, we'll. Trying to take my job. She's um, like, you, we'll go, you keep it on your side of the bridge, girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, now you guys need to watch my movie. So you got to yes. you, 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 shit and It's streaming on Hulu. You got to watch it. It's only 90 minutes. I promise you won't be that bored. And we're I'm, definitely going to make it out to San Francisco to see one of your shows at the Oasis. You, you got to. We're, um, we're doing Rocky Horror next. I play a mean Miss Dr. Frankenfurter. Oh, that's great. I love that. Um, and then Golden Girls, and uh, then I go on vacation. And this so is nice. a live version of Rocky Horror Picture Show. You're not lip-syncing anything. 
not lip syncing and it's all done live singers we have a cast of 16 and we do an immersive version in the club so it's like it happens all around you it's like a club experience yeah. there's such big high heel shoes to fill to to bring to life dr frankenfurter tim curry's iconic role how do you prepare for something like that well, this is my eighth year doing uh -huh. it, and so I've, I've definitely got, I mean, I've been rehearsing for that role since I was 12, you know, when I first we, we, we became familiar with it. But, you know, it is, you have to become the character. It's all, it, I mean, you, I hear these interviews with Tim Curry, and it really is true. That character is so at 11 the whole time and is so about the debauchery that it is hard to get out of out of it. But I will say that even in that character, I find myself pulling out some Samantha Jones and Snagglepuss to mix with my Tim Curry mm. as I do it. You gotta make but it I your still, own. Yeah. I do, I do, I do make it my own and I, I'm um, I'm pretty proud of it. I, I have had uh, I've had some really great response. Because mm. we've all seen, you know, sat through some really lackluster Dr. Frankenfurters, <laughs> <laughs> Laverne Cox. And, <laughs> oh my god, I know that was so tragic. That whole that whole, that oh. whole movie. Why was it so everything bad? about it? Why was it? Why was Laverne Cox? She promised so much, and and it seemed well, like she I'll, just hated it. You know. Well, I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. So, what was outrageous about that character is that it is a man dressing in ladies' clothes, mm. a classic transvestite. But when you have someone like Laverne who is a woman, mm. then a woman wearing a corset and high heels doesn't seem very outrageous. If she had done it and dressed all in men's clothes and given us a Marlena Dietrich, maybe something like that would have been a little more outrageous. Mm. But to but to have someone so femme presenting where, you know, so, oh, my God, so frankenfurter a woman dressed in a bustier is going to have sex with a man. That's not very so it's a outrageous. woman dressed up as a woman. Right. And it's like, ooh, shocking. But, you know, part it's of it not, is, but it's not, yeah, I just felt like she really, shocking. she didn't, I think the, the thing that gets trips people up when they're trying to portray Dr. Frankenfurter is they fear, they don't know mentally whether to imitate Tim Curry's posh British accent or try mm -hmm. to do it in their own voice. Right, because Tim said he was trying to be the queen. He was pretending that he was a man pretending to be the Queen of England. Well, he heard the accent on the bus. Because he was initially, and you can hear this, he initially did it in a German accent. That's what the, yeah, that's what Riff Oh, wanted. really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was a, a, you know, I'm just a sweet transvestite. You and then know. he said he was sitting on the oh. bus and he heard these two women speaking and they spoke so poshly that he was just like, that's the accent I want to use. Come on. I, I, I saw that. a black yeah. queen do it and she did it more like I, the look was this was in the 80s. So the look was more Tina Turner and the voice was more Tina Turner. And I got to tell you, he Tina Turner did out. Dr. Lovelace. <laughs> yes. Yeah, his name was like Dr. Jerry Lee Lovelace. I mean, and he was a professor. I wonder whatever happened to him. I love that. Yeah. I love it. And that's the thing about, you know, and, and I'm sure you're doing some amazing things. It's like anybody who's listening out there, if you're going to be Dr. Frankenfurter, make him, her, them your own. Yes, for sure. You for know? sure. And it's, you've got, you've, you've got to seduce the audience, basically. You've got to make everyone in the audience scared of you and want to fuck you at the same time. Hmm. 
can do. <laughs> That's called my sex life. Well, Darcy, um, it's so good talking to you and catching up with you. Uh, please, please don't be a stranger. You are just wonderful. Well, thank you. Please, thank you for having me. And please come visit. Let me take care of you and show you a good time. I really? Love I'm out. All right. I want to take your dance class. Come take my dance class. Come Come to the studio. Come see a show. I'll take you out to dinner. It's, let's let's ha- come have the work. Let's have it. You have my number now, so yes, I, I do. Yeah, come back anytime. I'll stop, I'll stop but usually, do now. it on my chest, not on my back. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he wants to see it. <laughs> Fair enough. He's got some nice titties too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> All right, bye, boys. Bye, bye. Best of luck. Darcy Drawlinger lives in San Francisco, California. San Francisco's first drag laureate. You can find out more about her at DarcyDrawlinger.com. And drawl as in, you know, hilarious. How drawl. Mm. Drawlinger. And if you want to know about uh, Darcy's regular dance class, Sexitude, it's DarcyDrawlinger.com slash Sexitude. Mm-hmm. And bring in all your attitude, but leave the ego at the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know. it's so great to talk to another what a, San what Francisco a, legend. Yeah, we've had we've been kicking it out the ballpark. I forgot to tell her because when she mentioned Charles Bush, I was like, "Ah, oh, it was yesterday's guest." We're <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. coming soon. I'm not sure how the orders. Dar- uh, you know, it, it is really extraordinary that that we get to talk to these amazing people, mm-hmm. uh, legends, icons. You know, that term is just so overused, but really fitting here. Mm-hmm. And it's not possible without your help. You're, you, the listener of Feast of Fun, make this show happen. We would not be able to do these in-depth interviews that are so much fun. You know, if we don't do it, who will? Who will? They sometimes they do it. They can do it, but are they going to be any good? Probably not. Uh, they usually go like, what's it like? Blah, blah, blah. Remind me of who you are. What is it that you do? <laughs> like, I was listening in preparing for the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I pulled up. I'm not going to say any names. But somebody was interviewed Darcy, and they're just like, the first question was like, what is drag? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I almost threw my phone out into the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is drag to you? You know, drag can be anything you want it to be, baby. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's about transcending what you do and making it something extraordinary. It's not, you know, it's not a yellow egg yolk on a mm-hmm. yellow bib. It's not. It's not soaking clocks. So. <laughs> It, it is taking what you do every day and transcending it mm-hmm. onto another level. Mm. And, you know, RuPaul's right. It's uh, Judith Butler's right. You're born naked and everything else is theater. It's drag. The word drag comes from, dr- uh, it has a really gruesome origin. It's, it what? comes. It's dragging a dead fox through the countryside to create what's called a drag hunt. And so from there, the, the term meant to stage something for entertainment purposes. And a drag race is not a race that goes in a linear line. It goes in a loop. No, no. Drag race is a linear line. It is a linear it line. Is. It's but it's for the purpose. It's for the purpose so you can see it. So and then they call places it. like in Austin, Texas, they have something called the drag. The drag. Where people, you know, you'd see people on the drag, the drag strip, where cars would kind of like. Go back and forth. And so the term drag evolved to become synonymous with staging or theater or artificial Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, on view on view. And so inevitably, as as queer culture started to developing and modern queer Mm -hmm. culture, 
uh, grew and blossomed, the term drag then became um, taken on Mm -hmm. to dress up in clothes that are not aligned with in the drag hunt. I don't think they used a dead Fox. They would use the scent of a, a fox, scent of like a fox. urine or oftentimes just, they would just use like a chicken or some kind of animal. It wasn't a live chicken. Well, you know, they would drag something across the countryside yeah. and, you know, if you're going to do it on a horse, it's. But it's, dressed as a girl, it's not. Yeah. That's not a thing. But we're, you know, we're, we're uh, pl- uh, 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 the, the William Shakespeare dress as a girl has been debunked. Yeah. It's not a thing. Yeah, never, you know. But old queens will stand by it. Well, and, and also, um, there's also discussion that William Shakespeare never actually existed or was an actor hired to play the bard of a theater company that wrote all these marvelous plays. But in fact, uh, there was not one William Shakespeare, but many people in a collaborative a method about that, yeah, yeah, about that. And that's a pretty, you know, big theory. But ultimately, you know, it's like it's art and drag is what you make of it. And it's about connecting with your community with the audience. Get out of the house, transform yourself. You have only one life to live. Your body is just a vessel for you to express yourself. And who else does it better than Darcy Drollinger? <laughs> so thank you guys so much thank for you, listening everyone. to Feast of Fun. You don't like ads. I don't like ads. You can get a free ad-free version of our podcast by going to patreon.com slash feast of fun. You can listen to our show there without any ads. Or at feastoffun.com slash plus because your contribution to the show is what makes this show happen. Or perhaps you'd like to make a donation at feastoffun.com slash donate. It all adds up and it all makes it easier for us to make this show for you. So thank you so much for the bottom of our wicked, wicked little hearts. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening to Feast of Fun. Bye-bye. 